0: Hi,
1: I'm Clint Byers. I want to thank you for taking the time to pick up a copy of Devil Walk. This is my story about a face to face encounter with the devil. This is a true story that rivals any movie or book that you've ever seen or read. It seems fictional, but I assure you, everything that I will tell you through the course of this story is absolutely true. It actually happened to me. This story will leave you with a picture of the devil that you could never have imagined. I will completely strip away all the power that he has and leave you with the undeniable truth that God is alive and that he has done everything to set you free from the lies of the devil. Because that's all the devil has. The devil is nothing but a liar and this story will prove that. My story begins on a warm autumn night with just four friends out to have some fun. Little did I know that was the last thing we would experience. The four of us had bought some LSD, and we had this plan. We were going to go to a movie, drive back home, and just ride out the rest of the trip at the house. On the way to the movie, in the car, is when this nightmare began. We were listening to a song. The song was this very droning song, a very hypnotic song. Even if you weren't on drugs, this song would kind of lull you into this dream-like state. But this song only served to help me cross over. And when I say cross over, that's exactly what I did. Somehow, through a drug-induced state, I was able to cross over. And my soul, my mind, my emotions, my physical hearing, everything within me was open to the demonic realm. Up until this point, I would never even believed in God. I never believed in supernatural things. I thought that when you died, that was it. There was nothing else. That was it. We were just this physical body that died, and that was it. Well, while I was in the car listening to this song, that paradigm was shattered. As I listened to this song, I started hearing this very faint noises coming from places that didn't seem like they were in the car. I couldn't tell what it was in the beginning, but... I looked around, I looked at the people that were with me, I listened to the song more intently, but I could tell that there was something else going on besides what was going on in the car and in the song. Those sounds just kept getting louder and louder and louder. And what I began to realize was not they were not just sounds, they were voices. And these voices began celebrating. It sounded like they were just kind of having a party I didn't know what the occasion was but they seemed excited about something that was about to happen. In my book I go into great detail about what happened in this point in time in the car. At a point in time in the car when the voices were very clear to me they began telling me things like that I was going to die soon. Here it comes. Get ready for it. You're gonna die soon. At some point on the way I experienced this vision, and somehow I slipped into this state where my life flashed before my eyes. You hear people talk about their life flashing before their eyes and what they see is the experiences that they've had. They see family members that they love. They see things happen that kind of make them reconnect to their life in a way that makes them miss what they have experienced in their life. For me, it was just the opposite. What flashed before my eyes was how I had wasted my life. Somehow I got stuck in the cycle of seeing these four aspects of my life that I had gone through, and basically I saw how I had just wasted my life up until this point. The first phase of this vision showed me how all I had done up until this point was tried to have fun in life. I had just worried about nothing but the party. I had worried about nothing but trying to have a good time. The second phase of this vision somehow made me see how after I sought the good time, I was left empty. Uh, there was nothing that really fulfilled me through this pursuit. The third part of this vision was a revelation of my attitude. When I started feeling that I was not fulfilled and that I had not really gained anything out of my vain pursuits, what I would do was I would just throw that off and I'd be like, ah, who cares, who cares, It doesn't really matter. I'm just going to have fun the next time around. And so, I would shift back to the right in preparation for the next event, for the next party, for the next concert, for the next girl, for the next drug, for the next whatever, for the next empty pursuit that I was after. And again, I would lean forward in anticipation, shift back to the left after the vain pursuit, shrugging it off with an attitude of who cares, and then lean back to the right in anticipation for the next event. Jump forward again, ready to go, back to the left again, and this continued for what seemed like an eternity. Actually, I came to grips with that I would be stuck in this phase forever. This is hard to explain, but the visual of the vision that I had seen was basically that my head was kind of swinging around in a loop Like someone that just rolls their eyes back in their head and shrugs life off with an attitude of, I don't care, things don't really matter to me. That was what I saw. That was what flashed before my eyes when I saw my life before my eyes. And that scared me. The problem with that was I was stuck in that forever and there was no way out. The sad part about that is how quickly I came to accept that. At some point, I remember thinking... Well, if I'm going to be stuck in this forever, this is not so bad. I can do this. If this is what my eternity is going to be like, I can do this. And that saddened me deeply. When I made the decision that I could cope with this, this was okay, that this version of reality forever was okay with me, it went away. I found myself back in the car, but yet my vision was a little clouded. Things did not quite seem the same. Things looked different than they did before I had had this vision. I looked around and it was as if I was looking through a gray, smoky fog. Everyone in the car was still there, but everything looked just a little bit different. It began to look bleak and dark, just symbolic of what I had accepted about myself. As I looked around the car, I looked back toward the front and I tried to look out the windshield, but to my surprise, I couldn't see out the windshield. There was nothing but a gray haze that had enveloped the car. I began to see this small swirl of smoke toward the front of where the car would be. As I gazed at this swirl I realized that there were letters in this swirl. The letters were D E A T H and they swirled around and there were these really muted colors It almost looked like dried, stained blood circling around in this gray fog spiraling downward spelling out the word death over and over and over. And at some point the words came to me that this was my death trip. You can imagine that my reality was completely thrown off. I was on acid. I was experiencing something totally bizarre something totally foreign and I did not know what to think. So all I could do was sit back try to reason with myself that this was just the drug, but yet I knew it wasn't just the drug. I was far enough into the effects of the drug to start getting my reasoning back to where I could make sense of things, yet what was going on around me was not making sense. As we continued to drive in the car, the voices began to grow louder and louder, and they were still telling me things like, this is it, you're going to die soon, you're going to die soon, your death is coming. As a matter of fact, at one point, the intensity built up with the words that they were using was so strong that I emotionally, physically, mentally was consumed with the truth that I was about to die. My death was imminent. As I began to focus on these voices, I had no idea what they were, but yet something inside me was telling me what these were. These were demons. This was the demonic realm that I had connected with, somehow, and they were talking to me. I could hear them just as well as I could hear anyone around me. And they were telling me that I was about to die. At their most intense moment, I lowered my head, I clenched every muscle in my body, and I just leaned over in expectation of what was about to happen. And I was just completely full of fear. I could not believe that this was happening. And they, they built up so strongly to the point where they told me, This is it. You're going to die. This is it. This is death. They made me believe that I had indeed died and I had crossed over into death. That vision began to kind of fade away. And I found myself back in the car again, aware of these voices. These voices were real. These voices were definitely beings around me that I knew that they were there. I knew that they weren't coming from inside of me. They were not the voices of the people inside the car with me. They were some kind of being that seemed to be with me in the car. As we drove down the road a little further, it was revealed to me what these beings were. Now keep in mind, I had previously not ever even believed in God, didn't believe in the devil, didn't believe that there was anything, any kind of afterlife, but I knew that what these beings were, were demons. These were demons that were with me, to torment me. Actually, I felt that it was their job. This was what their purpose was. Their purpose was to be there with me, to usher me into death. They were to be my guides into the afterlife that I had created for myself. I began to have thoughts that I was crossing over into hell. As I began to turn my attention toward these demons, it was as if they were with me in the car, but yet they were in another realm. I couldn't see them physically, but I was aware that they seemed to be about two to three feet tall. They seemed like they were hunched over because of the way that their voice was coming out. They didn't seem happy, but yet they seemed intent on what they were doing. They were there for a purpose, and their purpose was to usher me into another realm. Their purpose was to be there when I crossed over. They began to get more intense, get a little louder become more persuasive, and they were building up to this point, the point of my death. I didn't know how it was going to happen. I was expecting for them to materialize and just rip my body to shreds, murdering me and suck my body down into hell. They still continued to build upon this idea that I was about to die. I couldn't do anything. I was completely full of fear. All I could do was lower my head, clench my teeth clench every muscle in my body and just wait as they watched me do this they continued to build the tension mounted and they continued to tell me here it comes here it comes this is it you're about to die you're gonna die here it is here it is here it is this is your death this is it you're dead you're dead now you are dead When they said this, my body was shaking and trembling. Every muscle was fatigued because I was stressing so hard. But yet nothing seemed to change. And I was afraid to open my eyes. I continued to listen to the voices. And they started to say things like, Wow, that was incredible. I can't believe he handled that that way. That was the most impressive death we've ever seen. They began to play with my emotions. And make me actually feel good about how I had died. They used all kinds of twisted tactics to draw me into their world. I felt my body relax slightly. I lifted my head and I opened my eyes. As I looked around the car, there was kind of this mirror image of my life prior to my death. I looked around and it seemed familiar... The people in the car with me looked like the people that I had been with, but yet I knew they weren't. I knew what had happened. I knew that these demons were telling me the truth. I had died and crossed over to hell. What I was seeing was not even reality anymore. What I was seeing was this mirror image, a residual memory in my mind of what my life had been like. I immediately accepted the fact That this was my hell. This was what my hell looked like. And these people around me were no longer people. They were demons themselves. As a matter of fact, the person on my right reached over and touched me. And I was startled so much that I looked at them and they jumped back even. They had this look on their face that was confusing to me. But I knew that this person... Well, to me it was no longer a person, it was actually a demon. This demon was looking at me in awe of how I had handled my death. I looked up to the front of the car. The demon in the passenger seat turned around and looked with a smile on their face. A smile of acceptance, as if to say, here you are. Here you are, you're dead now. This is your hell. This is hell for you. I could not believe what was happening. Actually, that's the irony. I think back on this, and it seems like a dream. I think back of how easy it was for these demons to deceive me to believe their lies. We drove back to the house, got out of the car, and went into the house. When we went into the house, everything still looked like my former life, which was confusing to me because I wanted to relate to everything like I had before. I didn't want to be dead. I didn't want to be in hell. I wanted to be alive. I didn't want to be facing eternity in torment. So I went to the. I went to what was most comfortable for me. I walked into the living room and I turned the TV on. Which actually proved to be a huge mistake. You see, when your perspective changes, you see everything through that new perspective. You no longer see things the way you used to see things. You see things... The way this new perspective defines everything. So I was no longer watching television. I was watching what was described to me as the hell box. This was no longer a television. This was the hell box. At this point in the night, they began to ridicule me. These demons knew that they had me convinced. They knew that their job was complete, but they still wanted to hang out and watch the fruits of their labor. Basically, they switched from trying to convince me that I had died to ridiculing me because I had lived my life so selfishly. Now, their primary purpose just seemed to be to induce shame into my heart, to induce shame into my thinking, and to do nothing but make me feel guilty and make me feel horrible about where I was. The interesting thing was that I knew that this was all my fault. This was not their fault, this was not God's fault. This was my fault. This was from my choices, the decisions that I had made in my life. I was experiencing the fruit of how I had lived my life. I actually began to think about God. I thought about praying. I knelt down on my knees. And as I knelt down on my knees, I heard this ridiculous laughter. The demons just began to laugh so hysterically as if what I was doing had no point whatsoever. In reality, they were scared that I was going to connect with God and walk out of this at this moment. But that's not what happened. I chose to believe them instead of connecting with God and walking out of this. Feeling the shame of their laughter, I got up off my knees, thought about God, thought about all the things that I had heard about Him. I really hadn't heard very much, but... Now, in my heart, I began to think, well, if this is real, if demons are real, if hell is real, then God must be real. And in my heart, I knew that God didn't put me here. God didn't do this to me. This was me. This was my own doing. Later on, that will be a cornerstone in my process of coming to know who God was and coming to learn the truth about God. I decided to walk outside and try to get some fresh air. As I looked up in the sky... I could see the stars and that it was a clear night but there was still this gray haze and it only served to remind me that I was dead and that I was in hell. I started to walk down the driveway and I heard a noise behind me. I turned around and I looked toward the carport and I saw a shadow coming around this tree. As I watched this shadow, this person emerged out of the darkness and looked familiar to me but I knew it was not my old friend. I noticed that these demons were no longer talking. They were actually kind of standing off to the side, almost with this awe-like respect of this person that was coming toward me. I continued to look at this person in anticipation of who they were, of what was happening. It looked like one of my friends that I was with, but yet I knew it wasn't. As he came closer, I knew who it was. This was Satan himself. He continued to walk toward me with his confident smirk on his face and I found myself face to face with the devil. He looked at me, reached his hand out, put his hand on my shoulder and kind of turned me toward his side and we began to walk down the driveway. As we walked, he began to talk to me. He began to tell me things like, It's been so long since I've seen you. It's been so long since we've talked. How have you been? What have you been up to? I'm glad that we have this time together. I'm glad that this is happening, that we can reconnect. I'm glad that this is happening, so that we can see each other again. Later, I realized that what he was doing was trying to befriend me. He was trying to make the atmosphere almost friendly So that his work would be even easier. He was there to seal the deal. He was there to solidify my new reality. He was there to make sure that I knew that it was him that was in charge of my life from here on out. For some reason this thought jumped into my head that he was going to stab me and this was going to be the time that I was going to be sucked down into the next version of hell. He looked at me and asked, what are you doing? I'm not going to hurt you. I'm your friend. I'm the only one you've got here. And I looked at him, and somehow I knew this was true. I looked at him, and I accepted what he was telling me. We turned and we began to walk back toward the house, and again I heard the phrase, a man's got to do what a man's got to do. And I knew that from here on out, my life was his. We walked back into the house. And all I could experience was this intense hopelessness. I knew that this was true. I knew that I was dead. I knew that I was in hell. I knew that what I was seeing around me was not my life. This was my first version of hell with others awaiting. I walked down the hall toward this bedroom and just laid down on the bed and began to weep and cry. I began to just roll around and writhe in the bed, experiencing the shame and the guilt of where I was and what had happened to me. The demons were relentless. They continued to batter me. They continued to stay with me. They continued to drive their point home that this was my reality. I was dead, and I was now in hell. I laid on the bed, and I could think of nothing but my future. My future was eternal torment. I began to think of what hell would be like. Somehow these demons communicated to me that this wasn't the last stop. This wasn't the final place of hell. They began to tell me almost as if they were teaching me about what hell was going to be like. As I lay on my bed, all I could think about was different ways of dying, all the different kinds of ways that I was going to experience death. And I heard the phrase, a man's got to do what a man's got to do. Several times in the night, these demons created these keys so that later on, they could repeat them and I would re-experience the emotions of this night. A man's got to do what a man's got to do was the number one key that they created within me. To me, this meant, well, I've got to go through this. I've got to experience this. I've got to walk to the lower depths of hell, even if it means committing suicide. I could not come up with the courage to commit suicide that night. So what I did was I formulated a plan. I decided to lay there and act dead. I knew that I wouldn't be fooling anybody because the demons that were going to come in and check on me were not really people. They were just that. They were demons. And it was as if I had accepted this play. It was as if I had accepted this new reality that I was an actor on a stage And my life was no longer real. Everyone around me knew what was going on. I knew what was going on. I had to go through the motions, accepting my new reality and experiencing the consequences of where I was. So I laid on the bed until morning. In the morning, two of the people that were with me that night came into the room. I laid completely still. I kept my eyes closed and I began to envision what would happen. I began to think about, okay, so if I lay here, what's going to happen? If I lay here and act dead, and indeed convince them that I'm dead, what's going to happen? Well, an ambulance is going to come, take me to the hospital. They're going to pronounce me dead, and they're going to perform an autopsy. When my mind got to the point of an autopsy, I cringed. I almost jumped up, but... Again, I heard the phrase, a man's got to do what a man's got to do. So I laid still and accepted that I was going to have to face the excruciating pain of an autopsy and a burial. And essentially, I would be buried alive. Somehow in my mind, I formulated that when I went through this process and they put me in the ground, then I would pass to the lower depths of hell. While I was in the lower depths of hell, I knew what was going to happen. All I could think about was these different kinds of deaths. For example, I had the vision of these metal hooks shooting out of this dark abyss, sinking into my flesh and just ripping me apart, ripping me to shreds. As I watched this vision pass by, I saw these little demons, these little spider-like creatures come out, and they began to eat my flesh all the way down to the bones. When they had eaten everything and there was nothing left, I saw my body just come back together, ready to experience another death. That was what I accepted as my new reality. These demons were so persuasive that I actually believed that this was going to be my eternity, I was going to be in hell experiencing death over and over and over for eternity. Well, they came into the room and they tried to wake me up. They shook me. They called my name. And they actually picked me up. They picked me up and they dragged me out of the room, dragged me outside and up and down the driveway. My arms were hurting so bad that I could not stand it anymore. So I went ahead and opened my eyes and lifted my head and looked at them. They looked back at me and asked me, what are you doing? Well, of course, to me, this was a demon making fun of me. So I just looked at them, I rolled my eyes, and I said, you know what I'm doing. You know what I'm doing. From that point on, I determined that it was useless to try to talk to these demons. It served no purpose whatsoever to try to talk to them because all that would happen would be that I would experience shame and guilt. So I kept my mouth shut. I walked down the driveway, and as I got down the driveway, it was the first time that I had really been alone, but I knew that I wasn't alone. This was the first morning of a five-month journey. I don't know how much time had passed, but I found myself back in my house, laying in my bed, thinking about nothing but how I was going to die over and over and over I again heard the phrase, a man's got to do what a man's got to do. The demons seemed to be telling me that what I had to do was go ahead and live out the rest of this life. I could not commit suicide. What I had to do was go ahead, live out the rest of this life, experiencing the guilt and shame of this life, until I actually died out of this life and passed into the next version of hell. So that's what I did. I told myself, a man's got to do what a man's got to do, and I decided to go ahead and go through the motions of this life. In my book, Devil Walk, I go into more detail about what happened in this point in the story, but for now, I'm going to go ahead and skip ahead to a particular instance. At some point, I decided that I would try to make a deal with the devil. I tried to contact him, and I felt like he answered me. I began this conversation with him, asking him to make this deal with me. What I asked him to do was leave me alone for this life. Let me experience this life. I told him, I know that this is a lie. I know that I have to go with you. I know that hell is real. I know that I'm dead. I know that I have no chance of getting out of this, but just let me live out the rest of this life as if it were normal. Let me live out this life as if it were normal, as if it were real, as if I were not dead. Let me live this lie. Now, you may not have experienced something that is extreme, But we all come to these places in our lives where we decide to live the lie. We think it's too hard. We think it's hopeless to move out of whatever we're experiencing. And we choose to accept the lie. We choose to stay in our guilt and shame of where we are and what our past has dictated to us. And not walk out of the guilt and the torment. It seems as though he responded yes. It seemed as though he responded yes. And for the first time in this experience... I felt a little bit of relief, but it was short lived. The devil had absolutely no intention of keeping that deal. All he did was lie to me and keep tormenting me. What I realized was that he had absolutely no intention of keeping his end of the bargain. I go into the extent of his lies in the book, Devil Walk, and actually talk about how his supposed kingdom is structured. It's far different from what you've heard. When I realized that he was not going to hold up his end of the bargain, I was crushed. Again, I was consumed with the truth that I was dead. I was in hell. My eternity would be eternal, painful torment, and there was absolutely no hope for me. There was no hope that I would get out of this. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where it was complete darkness And you had no hope whatsoever, but that's where I was. For me, there was absolutely no ounce of light within my body. There was absolutely nothing for me to hold on to, and that was how I lived my life every single day for about six months. At some point, I began thinking back on how the devil did not keep his end of the bargain. And I began to think about how these things that were being said to me weren't coming true. Very often, when I would be walking down a hall and a corner would be coming up through this experience, I would hear that, "All right, this is it. There's going to be a demon waiting on the other side of this corner. When you walk around this corner, he's going to grab you and suck you down into hell. And so I would, again, tense up, begin shaking with fear, but go ahead and walk toward this corner because I knew that it was what I had to do. But when I got to the corner... Nothing would be there. After several of instances like that happening again and again, I thought about those and I thought about what the devil had promised me. He told me that I could live this life and that he wouldn't bother me anymore. But yet he lied to me. So I started thinking about that. I started thinking, okay, he lied to me about that. And every time I'm told that something like one of these demons is going to jump out and grab me is going to happen, it never happens. So I started rationalizing that, you know what, maybe they're lying to me. Maybe this isn't true. Maybe none of this is true. At that point, I asked myself the question, what about God? That proved to be the best decision I have ever made in my life. At that moment, it was like a very faint, small spark of light. Flickered in my heart. And I held on to it with everything I could. I focused on that light. I looked toward my heart. And I thought, my gosh, what is this? What is this? I can't believe that this is happening. For the first time, I had hope. For the first time, after months of sorrow and darkness and mental torment, I was beginning to experience hope. I could not believe it. I was so excited that I didn't know what to do with it. I still believed that I was dead and in hell. I still believed that my eternity would be eternal torment, but I had this hope. I had connected with God, but I didn't know what to do with it. The only thing I could think to do was to go watch Christian television. I went and I turned on a particular evangelist, and I began to watch him. I could not believe what I was hearing. I began to hear him talk about Jesus and what Jesus had done and How good God was. I've since watched this preacher and all he talks about is money, which is a miracle to me because when I heard him this first time, I didn't hear anything about money. All I heard was the goodness of God. To me, that shows that when you're focused on a particular thing, when you're focused on the goodness of God, the reality of who God is, that's what you're going to connect with. I found myself every day in front of the television watching Christian television. What was going on inside me was as confusing as this very first night. I couldn't believe what was happening. I didn't know why I had this hope. I didn't know what to do with it. Yet it felt so good. It felt so good to hold on to this hope and think that there may be a chance. I go into more detail about this in my book, Devil Walk. But for now, I'm going to go ahead and jump forward just a little bit. One particular time when I was watching TV... The preacher that I was watching gave an invitation for people to get saved in the end. I repeated this prayer and I accepted Christ into my life. But I still had these thoughts of being dead and being in hell that I didn't know what to do with. There was one point where all I could do was now begin to try to talk to God. And he was there. He became real I was so confused because I didn't know what the truth was. I didn't know if I was actually dead and in hell. I didn't know if this was all a lie. And I didn't know if there was hope for me to get out of my future of having to go to hell. All I knew was that God was there with me right at that moment and he was bringing comfort to me. I knew that Jesus was with me. As a matter of fact, as I began to think more about Jesus and talk to him more, I actually began to hear him speaking back to me. And just as clearly as I heard those demons talking to me, I began to hear Jesus talking to me. I began to experience this incredible relationship with Jesus, apart from understanding the Bible, apart from going to church, apart from having a Christian upbringing, apart from anything but hearing the voice of Jesus in my heart. I told him that there was no way that I could live this life without him. There was absolutely nothing I could do apart from him that he had to stay with me. I begged him and I made him promise to stay with me. Well, that's a promise that he already made. I didn't know that. But of course, he was willing to make that promise personally to me. When I heard him make that promise, I sat down on my sofa and began to cry. I could not believe the hope that came alive in my heart from him telling me that he would never leave me. I actually had a vision when I sat down on the sofa. I closed my eyes and I saw the cross. I saw Jesus on the cross. It was as if I was looking 2,000 years back into time and I could see him up there. I could see his eyes and I could see him looking at me. I felt like I was looking 2,000 years back into time, but yet I felt like he was seeing me now. I knew that he was aware of me While he was on that cross, I could see him hanging on that cross and looking at me, telling me that he was doing this for me. He was on that cross for me. He made this extremely personal for me. God gave me this vision so that I could connect with this, keep this hope alive in my heart, and know that Jesus had died for me. Once I accepted that reality, he began to teach me about the devil. He began to show me how the devil was nothing but a liar. And actually it took another full six months before I could have one single day without remitting back to thoughts of being dead and in hell. It was a full year from the time that my experience first began before I had a complete day without having a thought of being dead and in hell. My life was completely different now. I was walking with Jesus. God had come into my life in such a profound way and taught me the truth about Him. What's interesting to me was that I didn't learn it in church. I didn't even learn it in the Bible. I learned it through Him speaking to me in my heart. I encourage you to stay connected to God in your heart. Yes, read the Bible. Yes, go to church. Do all those things that help you connect to God. But don't ever forget that God is a personal God that lives inside of you, wants to have a relationship with you, and is more real in your heart than anywhere. Well, this is a brief account of my experience of the time that I came face to face with the devil and walked out of it because of what Jesus did for me personally. Jesus wants to do the same thing for you where you are. Your situation may not be as extreme But he's there for you. He wants you to know that whatever you're facing, whatever you're experiencing, he's bigger than that. He can give you the strength to walk out of that. All it is, is a lie. If it does not line up with what he's done on the cross, with what he's provided for you through his sacrifice, then it's a lie, and he can bring you out of it. Well, I thank you for taking the time to listen to this CD. I hope you'll read the entire book if you haven't yet. Because in my book, I go into detail about the truth of the devil. And I show you how to avoid being sucked into his lies. I show you how to avoid being deceived by demons. I talk about reality versus truth. And I talk about hope. And I talk about how to walk free from a life of fear and a life dictated by the lies of the devil. Thank you again for taking the time to pick up a copy of Devil Walk. If this story has touched you in any way, please let me know. Visit me at clintbyers.com and let me know how this book has touched you. If you have questions or similar experiences, contact me through my website. I would love to hear from you. Thanks again for taking the time to listen to this, and I look forward to hearing from you.